Thanks for checking out the YVF podcast today. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you in whatever season of life you're in. Now here's Pastor Kevin. Well, Mike, you need this I mic. Do. They gave me one right here. Isn't that awesome? Well, good morning. I am a... still thinking about that young girl last night. I stopped in the middle of the message and I was talking about something that didn't have anything to do with it. And I just felt the Lord say, give your testimony. And I told her, I, or I told the group that um, 22 years ago, um, I told my mother, if God doesn't expletive show me who he is, I'm going to kill myself. And so I started to tell them that. And I didn't know she had just told her mom that that night. And um, <clears throat> she said, word for word, what you said is exactly what my daughter told me. We were able to minister to her daughter last night. It was so cool, you know, how God works. And I want you all to know God is real. He is who he says he is. He never changes, and he loves you. But more importantly than that, he loves you sometimes with a little bit of correction too, huh? We need a little bit of it, right? And uh, this morning, I was re- I'm really excited to talk uh, about this specific topic. I travel all over the country, by the way, and speak on American history but how God's role and influence and the Bible played a huge role in our nation, which, how many of you guys believe the media in this room? I figured so. Uh, You know, they they love to tell you the truth, you know? I mean, just, right? I mean, they're very honest, especially all you white people. You're racists now, all of you, just because you're white. You know, know, I'm Mexican, and somehow I escaped the racism thing because I'm Mexican. But it's it's crazy how they've now, in society, pinned you against each other. Right? If you're a Christian, you're automatically a bigot, homophobic, hating, blah, 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 whatever it is, right? Uh, but if you're a transgender, whatever, you're the greatest thing that God ever gave the earth. So it's crazy how they're pitting each other. And if you read scripture, it actually talks about how Satan came to divide us between one another. We have to be more than conquerors in this time. We have to be more Christian, Christ-like. If we're truly representatives of Jesus, we're going to overcome that hatred, Amen with the love of God. It's because, guess what? He also said to love your... Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Yes, there are people out there who hate you just for being a Christian. Isn't that crazy? Who would have thought in America we would have that, where you'd be silenced for your faith? We've been silenced for our faith before, uh, traveling and preaching, and our YouTube channel's gotten dinged so many times because I used the word Jesus, or I talked about... Uh, sin, transgender, whatever it is. We, we talk about all this stuff. So today I'm actually talking about something special. It's called America's Original Pulpit. If you didn't know, America was not founded on slavery. I did that class last night. Now, can I ask you a question? Have people used the name of Jesus in a bad way in history? Oh my gosh. Do you know that Hitler did it? He called himself a Catholic Christian. Hitler. Right? The, the, the name of Christ has been used to do atrocious things, but did Jesus ever tell us to commit atrocities? No. So just because they say they're Christian doesn't mean they're Christian. But the world has taught you, well, Jesus, in the name of religion, did all these things. I'm going to blow that out of the water today, okay? I'll show you guys some things you probably never heard of and how the word of God was used to transform this nation we call America, and we can get it back if we believe in the name of God. Amen? I believe in the power of God. I believe in the Holy Ghost. Wait, go back. Do you guys have... Um, Social media, how many of you guys have social media? A lot of people that believe in the demonic here, okay, that's cool. 
No big deal. No big deal. We'll pray for you. I just want to thank pastors. Thank you for inviting us again, Kevin and Tanya. Thank you for letting us be here. It's going to be fun. We have a social media stuff. We have a podcast. I, I, didn't know, I don't know if I put up the slide, but we have a podcast as well that's on YouTube. It's called Self-Evident Podcast because self-evident in kid terms today means duh. We hold these truths to be duh. All men are created equal. To them, it was no-brainer that God existed and that he created us with rights. They didn't debate if God existed back then. Do you know what I'm saying? It was a self-evident truth to them that God created us and gave us rights. And so if you go to the next slide, have many of you guys have heard of Samuel Adams before? How do we know Samuel Adams today, guys? <laughs> Say it proudly, folks. We know, right? But did you, guys know, did you guys know that Samuel Adams was one of the greatest preachers in history? We don't even know that about the dude. But this guy would preach in churches. He would get up in Congress and proclaim the name of God. He'd be in the streets like an evangelist saying, God is on our side. What are we waiting for? Let's go win the day. And listen to what he said here. This is right after they signed the Declaration of Independence, and it's such a cool quote. He says, we have this day, the 4th of July, restored to the sovereign whom all men ought to be obedient. He reigns in the heavens, and from the rising to the setting of the sun, let his kingdom come. How many of you guys were taught that in your history books? Isn't that crazy? We're never taught that John Adams' son was just as much a preacher. You're never taught that John Adams fought for abolition and independence and fought to end slavery. You're never taught these things. I was telling, teaching these young kids last night. I said, how many of you guys have ever heard that all the founders were slave owners? And a majority of them raised their hands. And I said, out of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence and the 55 signers of the Constitution, you know how many were, had slaves and renounced them once we made it illegal? Fifteen. Fifteen. Did you guys know, and I'm just going to go with this real quick, that 3,000 black men had slaves during the time of the founding? This is crazy. But people don't know this because we don't do our homework. What we do is we listen to the media, and then we hear all these things from the people on the outside. And I'm not saying there wasn't racism. How many of you guys agree racism exists today? Do you know what the Bible doesn't ever call racism sin? You know what he calls sin? Hatred. We've cherry-picked hatred and called it racism. When in the Bible, all it says, if you hate your brother without cause, you commit murder in your heart. That's the words of Jesus. And so we need to call out hatred for what it is, not racism. What they have is hatred in their heart, and I've experienced it. I know what it's like to be a racist against. I don't even know if that's the right way to say that, but I said it, because I'm a preacher. We can make up words, right? <laughs> so... <clears throat> I know bad things happened back then, but we're going to talk about the things that happened that were bad and good. If you go to the next slide, how many of us are familiar with real history? Real history. Real history of like, if we don't know where we've come from, we don't know where we're going. If you go to the next slide, George Orwell said this, who controls the past controls the future. Who controls the present, though, controls the past. Who controls the present today? School systems, you know, because they all love Jesus, don't they? So now they're controlling your history. They're telling you that it was gross and terrible in the 1619 Project, and America started when they first brought slaves in 1619. Wrong. It was actually 1607 when our first colonies were started, and we were still the nation of England. We didn't start America until 1783. See? History, right? It, it should set you free. Now, this is crazy. In, 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 uh, it was two years ago they wrote these articles. The National Archives... Our archives slapped a warning sign on our founding documents. Can you believe this? All of you veterans in this room who fought to defend the Constitution, it has a warning sign on it now. Check what it is. It's a warning on the Constitution for harmful content. 
like liberty, freedom, throwing off the chains of tyranny. Are you all hearing me? Look at how they're trying to change your mind, okay? My, the reason why I talk about America so much is my parents have benefited since 1963 from being here from Mexico, and they did it legally, by the way. They came here to give me a better life. Why wouldn't I praise what God has done in this country? Why wouldn't I? Right? If you go back to the last slide, there's another one. It says the National Archives issued a blanket warning on catalog documents cautioning readers against racist, sexist, misogynistic, and xenophobic opinions. They got all that from the Declaration. Have you ever read the Declaration of Independence? We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain neighbors, among us are life, liberty, and super a lot of it. <laughs> Pulled a, no, never mind. I was going to go there. But it says right there, but in order to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. What they were telling us was everybody's equal. Racism existed. Yes, there were slaves back then. We sought to free them. We were the first nation in history to say, no, we're not going to include this in our Constitution. It took 20 years. I wish if we could go back in time and say, hey, don't put the 20-year clause in it. Just end it now. Hindsight's always 20-20, right? We can look back and say we should have done that differently. But we were the first nation to start off to say we're going to end slavery. The first nation. And you know who did it? The church. Preachers. And I'm going to talk about that more in a minute. Uh, this is called America's Original Pulpit. Um, if you go to the next slide, <clears throat> this is a historian, John Wingate Thornton. He wrote about eight different preachers in the founding history, and he wrote in this book called The Pulpit of the American Revolution. He said, to the pulpit, the Puritan pulpit, we owe the moral force which won our independence. He didn't mention founders. He didn't mention our army. It was the pulpit, he said. How many of you guys, when you got saved, you got saved from your old lifestyle? When I got saved, I said, Lord, I, I don't want to be just a typical Christian. I want to do something to change something. So then I read in Acts when he says, after the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall receive power. And I was like, okay, so now I have the Holy Spirit. And if men in the past could change something, like we'll talk about today, 56 signers put their lives on the line and said, we want to create a nation for our future generations. 56 men. And their wives. Guys, if you have not read about their wives, they're incredible. So many cool stories. This was actually a paper written in 1789, the Gazette of the United States. Listen to how the papers talked about our churches. Our truly patriotic clergy, our preachers, boldly and zealously stepped forth and bravely stood against our distinguished sentinels to watch and warn us against approaching danger. They wisely saw that our religious and civil liberties were inseparably connected. Do you hear that? Our religious and civil liberties. What are they trying to tell you today? Separation of church and? Ah. <sighs> right? They were inseparably connected. And then he says this, and therefore warmly excited and animated the people resolutely to oppose and repel every hostile invader. Listen to this. May the virtue, zeal, and patriotism of our preachers be ever particularly remembered. And that's something not taught in textbooks today, is it? But they sure are lying to your kids. How many of you guys like being lied to? I can't stand it. You know what lying really is, especially young people, older people, if you lie? You're telling me I don't deserve the truth. That's pride. Tell me the truth. Yes, there was atrocities, but tell me what else had happened. In the Bible, it's chock full. I mean, have you ever read the story of King David? Right? We can all kind of relate in a sense to King David. I'm a man after God's heart, but I screw up. I mean, I'm not killing Uriah kind of screw up, but I mean, taking on another person's. I mean, I'm not that kind of screwed up, but hey. But God still used him, didn't he? 
So why don't we, instead of just talking about the bad, look at the good that God did through the bad. I'm not excusing the bad. Bad things happen. But what about the good that happened that gave us America? Does this make sense? Because we have liberties we've never even explored before because we're being told you don't have them, okay? This is Hezekiah Niles on the left. This guy was born in 1777, and he was raised uh, kind of like, he'd be like considered a millennial today. He was raised right in the middle of when we declared independence, so he didn't know the history and the backdating. So in 1816, he writes a letter to John Adams. John Adams was about 85, and have you ever been around of like a lot of older men who are 85? John was very um, mean, but he was a Christian, but he was like a prude, you know what I mean? Because even how his, his response was really oof, a little harsh. But he said he was commissioned by his paper in Boston to give a real, true historical context of what happened for independence. So remember, this is 1816. This was 40 years after we declared independence. So he says, I'm commissioned, uh, President Adams, to give a real history, write a book about the history of America, how it was founded, what happened. So then John Adams' response was really, really funny. He said this, what do you mean? by the American Revolution. Do you mean the American War? He said the revolution was affected before the war commenced. The revolution was, uh, was in the minds and the hearts of the people, a change in their religious sentiments of their duties and obligations. And this radical change in their principles, opinions, and sentiments and affections of the people was the real American Revolution. He said it was the pastors preaching to us saying, we have a duty to do, we have to overthrow the chains of tyranny and, be, and we want to create a nation for our kids, it's time for us to go fight for it. Because Amer they were being oppressed by a government. How many of you guys feel like we're being oppressed by government today? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest here. Now, do we need to pick up guns? No, I believe intercession works. We may have to. I don't know. I'm hoping not. I don't want my kids to see war and bloodshed. I don't want to see. Guys, look at me. Do you think I can run? <laughs> you know? Throw a few donuts in front of me. I'm good, man. I got you. But come on, man. Like, I mean, give me a gun, but you better put me in a tree stand or something. You know what I'm saying? But you think about war, and it's like, holy smokes. I mean, these guys were facing it, and they were praying daily. So then John Adams said, did you know that in America, he actually told this to Hezekiah. He said, it wasn't our founders that were the most influential people. He named four preachers that helped shape the American Revolution. He named Reverend uh, Dr. Samuel Cooper, Reverend Charles Chauncey, Reverend Dr. Jonathan Mayhew, and Reverend George Whitfield. Isn't it crazy that our president, one of the founding fathers, one of the guys who helped write the Declaration of Independence, who declared independence, who was the one in Boston, who was screaming louder than everybody, we need independence now. He named four preachers that were responsible for the revolution, not the founders. Isn't that crazy? How come history books don't teach you that? You know why I'm teaching you this today? Because Yarrington Church can do something greater than just preach. It can move mountains. Yarrington Church can actually change your society and territory. Did you know that? It's called and commissioned to do such. So the church isn't just, and I'm not saying you are the four walls. I believe you guys are going out and you will take territory in the name of Jesus. You will do those things. But what I'm going to show you today was these guys didn't just sit. These guys were actually out there doing the stuff. Amen. So if we go to the next slide, did you guys know that these were four, five influential black pastors and preachers in America? Because America was a racist nation, you know, we didn't like blacks, and blacks were always kept oppressed. But these guys were so influential in the revolution, and these guys helped fight for the American Revolution. I'm going to list a few. Reverend Richard Allen, Reverend Absalom Jones, 
Reverend John Morant, I'm going to talk about him in a minute. Reverend Lemuel Haynes in the middle there, I'll talk about him in a minute. Right here, Reverend Harry Hoosier. Did you guys know that after the revolution, Reverend Harry Hoosier wanted to go out to Indiana to settle? Have you guys ever heard of the Hoosier state? How influential must he have been that we called that state the Hoosier state for a black pastor? How many of you guys knew that? Crazy, isn't it? But you're told you're racist and everything's racist. And I'm here to tell you the name of God will not die. It won't die. And when you hear me talk, I'm not talking Republican or Democrat here. I'm a Christian who loves history and wants to get it right for the church. That's it. I'm a Christian pastor and I'm a full-time pastor as well. I preach the gospel because I want to see things change for the glory of God. If Christ comes back, which he's, he's coming back soon, right? We all believe that. But I didn't get the memo when the date was. You know what he did tell us all to do, though? Go and preach the gospel to every creature. Go heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Freely you have received, freely give. So as you receive the Holy Spirit, go give the Holy Spirit. Go do those things that are important. I don't, I don't talk on Republican Democrat stuff because to me, politics is so disgusting. What I talk about is how to get government on the right track again. And we're going to talk about that more today. If you go to the next slide, America's first black preacher was John Morant. He actually passed away at 35, but the things he did in his 35 years were incredible. He was born a free man in 1755. And at 13 years old, he went to a revival meeting. I'm sorry you can't read it. I, I, I should have done it on a couple slides. He went to a revival meeting to listen to George Whitfield. George Whitfield was short, cross-eyed, chubby, and loud. I'm not cross-eyed, but <laughs> hey... It's okay. I'll talk about him in a minute. And he had a, this, uh, John Morant had a dramatic conversion, and the account was that the spirit hit him, and he collapsed, and he became paralyzed. And it was said that the only thing that helped his condition was studying the Bible, so he would actually sit and study the Word of God, right? And so time went on, the, and, and uh, he actually uh, went to go preach, and he was taken captive by, uh, by some Indian tribes, and the Indian tribes welcomed him, and he began to preach the gospel to the Indian tribes, which is really cool. Right? So as he became that, they took him back to his home city, and he goes back to London to reconnect with George Whitfield. He gets ordained in London, comes back here, and he becomes the first black preacher in America. But we've never heard about him before, and I wish we did. I mean, we don't even have really good pictures of him. That's a, that's a, that's a painting of him. I wish we had better pictures. If you go to the next slide, here's um, uh, Reverend Lemuel Haynes the first ordained black pastor in America. This is awesome. He was born in 1753, and he was abandoned by his parents at five months old. How many of you guys have a story of abandonment? How many of you guys know people that have been abandoned, and they carry that with them the rest of their lives, and they become victims of it instead of saying, Lord, change me so I don't become that? I mean, listen to this story. Uh, he volunteered in 1774 as a Minuteman and joined the Continental Army in October 1776. Um, he developed typhus and basically was relieved of his duties, but he admired George Washington. So he started to write about Washington. And after the revolution, he had a, a gifting for theology and preaching. He had a gifting. He had a gifting for theology and preaching, right? So he began to study. And um, <clears throat> he was a disciple of Jonathan Edwards, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, if you've never heard about him before, George Whitfield, Philip Doddridge, another reverend. And he studied Greek and Latin. How many of you guys know more than English right now? I know three languages, Spanish, English, and food. You know what I'm saying? That's real. My man knew Greek, Latin, English. I don't even know what Greek is. I have to use an app for that. Can anyone relate? Google, tell me what? 
Um, and he became the first or, uh, ordained black preacher of a religious body in America. In 1804, at Middlebury College awarded him a, an honorary master's degree. And he pastored for 40 years. 30 of those years were in a Vermont church where they grew from 42 members to over 350 members. Mary's a white girl, has 10 children, and his church was mixed. But we're a racist. You know, everything's racist. You see, like when you get lied to, it just angers me so much. So I have to do homework. You know why? Because that dude changed the country. That dude right there. One man can change the world. One person. I hope that's what you get out of today's message. One person with God can change the world. This is John Adams. He's actually my favorite historical character because he was so short, loud, and ornery. I kind of like that about him because he was no nonsense. You know, I like those kind of people. They don't fluff it up for me. Just tell me the truth kind of thing. And then he, this is what he said in, February, in 1775. It is the duty of the clergy, the preachers, to accommodate their, their discourses or their sermons to the times, to preach against such sins as are most prevalent. He said the pulpit should be preaching against sin and what's going on in the world today. Not try to tailor the gospel to people. Listen, one of the greatest sins I think we've created in the pulpits today, and I'm not saying this church, I'm blessing this church because you guys rock, but there are pulpits out there that conform the gospel to people instead of conforming to people to the gospel. And that is destructive and dangerous. Christ is the one who died on the cross. He's done enough for me. He doesn't need to bless me anymore. He saved me from the pit of hell. And if he saved me from the pit to go save others, he did enough for me. He took my sin and cast it away as far as the east is from the west. He remembers my sin no more. And in this room, I'm going to ask you, why do some of you remember your sin? Throw it away. Put it on the cross. Leave it there because Christ took it for you. Right? And so many times we have to almost kind of dummy down the gospel. Are you kidding? He died on a tree even though you didn't deserve it. Your sins are great. You can't pay for the penalty, but he did it on his own. What a great, gracious, holy, reverent God we have. The blood of Jesus sets you free from the law of sin and bondage and death. This isn't just coming to church in a youth group, man. He saved your life from death and hell. He took you from the power of darkness to light. He showed you something you, didn't, you never were before. You were lost and broken, some of you. And then he transformed you and gave you life. And then you're in a church right now that these guys bled, fought, and died for so that you could have the liberty to come here in a church, not be like China where you've got to hide the faith. We have an American system that it's not about America. It's not about a piece of land. It's about the word of God. It's about rights that he gave me. And the gospel needs to be preached. Amen? We all have a job to do. And they're everywhere. I was just at McDonald's today. I'm like, I'm thinking about the lady in the window. <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, is she saved? You know what I mean? And I've been so many places. I, I preach at so many different places. I don't care. I was, before they were, I knew they were woke, I was at a Starbucks and I preached there. We had church for 15 minutes. Lady got healed of her back. It was awesome. I was in Universal Studios. We are going over there with my kids, and I started to preach to a lady in front of me. She got saved, and it was great. Have you ever been to Panera Bread and preach? That'll, that's fun. But you, you can go anywhere and preach the gospel. If Jesus Christ saved you, why can't you give that to others? Amen? This is my ministry. This is what I do. This is what I love to do. I believe I'm commissioned and called to it. I'm also, I believe I'm called to pastor. Yes, and I do that too. But what are you called to do? What is it that God put in your hands to say, no, Lord, I'm going to use my talents to glorify God. I'm not going to be the one that buried his talent in the sand. 
I'm not going to be that one who says, you know what, I'm too old for this. You're not, even, you're not even started yet. Moses was 80 when his ministry started. Some of you got a lot of tread on the tires left. Amen. You know, these young people need grandmas and grandpas. They ain't got them. They need moms and dads. They need aunts and uncles. They don't know. There's a world out there lying to them, and you guys can give them life. So if it's anything, just disciple. We can all do that. I, I, I had just such a blessing talking to you guys last night. Such a blessing. Because we're pouring into another generation, and they're going to hear the word of God, and they're going to do it. I believe it. I'm prophesying it. I believe it. I believe it with all my heart. If you go to the next slide, <clears throat> sorry, that was fun. The clergy of this province are virtuous, sensible, and learned set of men. They're not ignorant, stupid, basically is what he was saying. And they don't take their sermons from the newspapers but the Bible. Come on. This is Reverend Dr. Jonathan Mayhew. This dude is crazy. I'm going to move this down because I keep popping. Sounds like my car. Boom, boom, boom. I don't have that stuff. I'm kidding. <laughs> Did, so he, I put this up here for a reason. Do you see this thing? It says, occasioned by the earthquakes. You see that? He wrote a six-sermon series on earthquakes and how the Bible relates to earthquakes. Six sermons on earthquakes! I think I've heard of two places where it quaked. One was the death of Jesus and somewhere else. I mean, I read about it. But six sermons on earthquakes and how God can use that to bring people to Christ. Isn't that nuts? Well, those guys weren't stupid. They were awesome, right? If you go to the next slide, he actually wrote a sermon on Romans 13. And the sermon was titled, Discourse Concerning Unlimited Submission and Non-Resistance to Higher Powers. What he was saying was, should we or should we not go against a government? This was written in the 1750s. Okay, and so um, he said, uh, he declared that the governing authority is a trust conferred by the people. To those in power, to assume any other power is mere lawless force and usurpation. What he's saying here is, if the people didn't give them the power, they shouldn't be taking that power. I don't remember giving the president carte blanche authority. Do you? No one asked me. And I know some of you in this room, I just want to say this. Some of us in this room didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for what's going on in America. I didn't ask for the school systems to turn into this. I didn't ask to start preaching about this. But guess what? The ball's in our court. We got to do something with it. Amen? We all have a duty to do. Mine, again, is just on government, right? He said that those in authority may abuse their trust and power to such a degree that neither law nor reason or nor religion requires that any obedience or submission should be paid to them. John Adams actually wrote about it and he said, this sermon was read throughout the colonies and in London. That sermon spread. It was like wildfire. Wait a minute. We, we don't... Yeah, Romans 13 says if they're being lawless, then we have a duty to do. That's what he was saying. Isn't that crazy? Preachers were great back then. The sermon argued that God, God sanctioned revolution against tyranny. And tyranny truly means when they're being oppressive. They're really being oppressive today. More and more, they're coming against Christians. And if you guys can't see it, remember 2020. They shut down churches, but you didn't hear this. They didn't shut down mosques. They shut down churches, though. Except this church, I remember you. <laughs> what a cool story, man. I was like, yes, I can serve under this pastor. Telling the sheriff, here's my permit, the Constitution. Nice! That's so cool! Dude, you rock! Oh, I didn't mean to call you dude, sir. Pastor, I'm sorry. <laughs> Whew, my bad. My bad. Still a kid. 
I just turned 43. My wife said, you still act like 16. I said, I know. It's hard. Anyways, let's go back. This is George Whitfield. Remember the short, cross-eyed dude who was preaching? Did you guys know he preached 70,000 sermons in a half a dozen countries? This was before they had vehicles. They had steam-powered trains and, like, steam-powered boats. It was crazy. He traveled to the U.S. nine times before steam power. Had direct uh, personal impact on over 10 million people. This is the guy that influenced those black preachers. This guy here. Um, he helped lead the Great Awakening. He partnered with John Wesley. He helped birth the Methodist movement. The Great Awakening birthed the evangelical and political movement. A lot of our founders attributed the first Great Awakening to America and how America was formed. Again, not taught in history books, but I'm just going straight from the founders. And if you go to the next slide here, we had something called the Black Robed Regiment. How many of you guys have heard of the Black Robed Regiment? So the Black Robed Regiment was called that by the King of England. He called them that because they were seditious. In other words, it was a bad name. And these preachers that were called part of the Black Robe Regiment wore it proudly. They're like, if the king is calling us that, sweet. Did you guys know that in the 11th chapter of Acts, they were called Christians? They weren't called Christians right away until the 11th chapter of Acts. And the word Christian was actually a derogatory term. Those Christians over there. So when we wear it proudly, I'm a Christian. That was actually a derogatory term in the Bible. Isn't that crazy? I wear it proudly. I'm a fool for Jesus, man. I'm cool with it. But these guys were called the Black Robe Regiment. And George Washington actually penned these preachers to gather people for their armies. And they did it. And this is just one of them, Reverend Samuel West. How many of you guys are learning something this morning? Praise God. Watch this. This is so fun for me. Any people, when cruelly oppressed, have the right, has the right to overthrow the yoke and be free. He actually preached this on election, an election day sermon in Boston in 1776. He said, to save our country from the hands of the oppressors ought to be the dearest to us even than our own lives. For me to be free from my children is more nearer to me and better to me than anything he was saying. For my kids. How many of us have thought about our children? What are we leaving to our kids, y'all? What are we leaving to our kids? What kind of country? Uh, uh, what's his name? Germany, babe. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, thank you. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, <laughs> sorry. Uh, he one time said, the ultimate test of a moral society is the kind of world that it leaves to its children. I think about that every day. It's actually on the bottom of the emails that I send. The ultimate test of a good moral society is the kind of world it leaves to its kids. I think about that all the time. What are we leaving to our kids? And I know, I feel you, bro. You're the real deal. The devil don't like you. Amen? You're a real preacher. You're a real minister of the gospel. Christ truly saved you. You're a leader. I don't know what you do, bro, but I see you preaching to so many, and it's all genuine from your heart. Real, real genuine. The power of Christ rests upon you, and there's more power coming by the Holy Spirit. Dude, you're going to lay hands on people, and they're going to walk. And you're going you're to see their blind eyes open. God is going to use you, dude, in this area to do some great things. And I don't think this was bad. I think this is good. Are you, what do you do? Oh, cool. So you're the pastor. <laughs> so listen, I don't think this is, I think this is awesome, what's happening here. I think you guys are going to break something that's had a hold of this church called denominationalism, and that's going to get rocked. We need to break that. Amen? We need to break that. And you guys are going to lead the way. I remember your story about pleading the blood of Jesus in 2020. And to this day, we still talk about it, how powerful that was. You guys started something so beautiful here, and guys, it's not going to end with you. 
Amen? It's going to leave a legacy for these guys. Dude, I don't know what you do, but you are like a general in my eyes, military. You just got this thing about you that's very, very stalwart, very stout. You seem more of a pa- like an evangelist to me than a pastor. You just want to go help people, reach people, do everything. That's an evangelist. An evangelist goes out and does for the people, right? Pastors raise them up, glean them, teach them, that kind of thing. To me, dude, you're going to go against the gates of hell and say, nah. They don't overcome me. The power of God over- ooh, overcomes them. Father, I bless this man of God that he receives the power and the anointing of heaven. That Holy Spirit would use him in huge ways, Father, because this is no coincidence that you're here. I'm, I'm not talking about because of me. I'm talking about this. Dude, there's something. Are you two married? Cool. You got kids? Huh. I just see God blessing your seed. Like, I, I see two kids, but like I see a boy and a girl, but I see them like, like you are really teaching. Like, I think God wants to be the father that you didn't have in, in a lot of ways, but will do more for you. Does that make sense? It's good. You're really blessed. I don't know your prayer life, but it seems like you're really in tune with the Lord, really in tune with the Lord, um, and he's blessed that for you, and he's opening more doors for that. Intercession's your key, um, and it's going to help this ministry. Huge, especially you. I don't know, man, you guys are blessed, dude. Holy, you, bro, my goodness. You're like the bouncer of the team. Make sure everything, serious, bro, like I saw you. It's like this guy's the one who makes sure everything's running. Like you're the one that's always like, hey, what's, what else, what, what do we need? I'm going to go fix that, this. You just seem like you're the gift of helps, but God's going to elevate you into to a new position, dude. I almost see you like an assistant, like, a, like an associate, uh, a pastor or something like that. I believe you got a gift uh, of, of teaching, but for you it's raw and real. You don't need a theology degree, bro. I ain't got one. God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Call me a fool then, dude. I'll do it, and so will you. Amen? Wow, you guys are awesome. Thank you for coming. I didn't even realize you were barefoot. Holy smokes. You're like, forget religion here, boy. Like, that's awesome. I was going to bring my coffee up here, but I'm like, am I blaspheming or something? I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. I got to go to the next slide, guys. I didn't mean to do that, but this is so fun, and there's so many in this room I want to speak to, if you don't mind, later, but we're going to do that, okay? I just want to minister to you guys. I want to pray with you after, if, they, if you don't mind. Oh, man. <laughs> there's... There's a move coming, and you guys are praying it in. There's a move coming. And it's, it's, not, it's not one of those cheesy, weird Christian things to say. I believe the city of Urington's God's. All of it. All of it. All of it. Guys, you're going to call me crazy. Can I just be bold here? I think your casinos are going to shut down. I do. I don't know if you work there, sorry, but <laughs> hey, listen, listen, listen. <laughs> At the restaurant, fine, keep your jobs. But I mean, like, listen, I'm not saying you doing a little thing here and there. I'm not trying to be your conscience. What I'm saying is it's destroying people's lives, okay? And maybe the church is going to grow so much, we're gonna, they're going to need you here to work, okay? Or over there. I just really see God moving, man. I don't know. I have the faith that God can do anything. We, we prophesied for eight years straight that Roe v. Wade would be overturned. We have it on video. Eight years straight, and it happened. People were like, that's impossible. I can't tell you how many pro-life groups told us that was impossible. I can't tell you. And God did it. And it's not because of me. I didn't do anything special. Look at me, man. I'm five foot six pounds, and I'm, 
handsome and buff, you know, I mean, but I'm not special. I just believe God. That's all. And so do your pastors. That They wouldn't have a church if they didn't. So bless them, honor them, and help them. Pray for them. These guys are going through something you don't even know. Spiritual warfare is real. And it's coming against them as they make more moves for God, you guys. This is real stuff. Come on, I'm, I'm getting ministered to here, and I hope it's ministering to you. Because you guys, were put. there was more put in you than you give yourself credit for. You have the power to overcome the enemy through Christ. The Bible says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. The same exact spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in each and every one of you. And some of us are afraid of our giftings and callings. Yeah, put that at the cross and go do it. And see God move. So go, just go see God move. It's in your weakest point that he's the strongest. Yes, it's so true. When you're weak, then you know he's strong. He glories in weakness. He wants that. If you could do it, you wouldn't need him. And guys, I don't want to do this without him. Again, if I go to President Biden or President Trump, they're going to look at me and go, who are you? But with the power of God, they'll listen. They have to. And I believe it. One day I'll talk to those guys. One day I will. I don't know if one of them would be here enough to talk to me, but hey, I tried. Why not? Why can't I believe for that? Why not? Why can't I pray the impossible? Why not? 22 years ago, I almost killed myself and God saved me. Tell me that's not a possible thing for, uh, an impossible thing for a possible God. Come on. I believe it. And he can do the same for you. And these stories helped me so much because he did the impossible through these men and women. Let's continue. Did you guys know, and this is for you guys, the first three battles in America were led by the church? Go to the next slide. This is awesome. The Battle of Lexington Green, 73 Americans faced 700 British men. All 73 were from the church of Reverend Jonas Clark, and 73 weren't focused on national issues. They were focused on right here, right now, right? And guess what happened? The church won. 300 of them retreated. Isn't that awesome? Woo! That's, oh, sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize it was that loud. That's the church, man. Look at the next one, Battle of Concord. 300 Americans showed up, all from the church of Reverend William Emerson. Once again, they were outnumbered three to one. And God used them for victory. Um, the road to Boston. This was the first three battles. Estimated 5,000 Americans came to fight from the congregations of Reverend Phillips Payson, and Reverend Benjamin Baltz, and others. And they won that battle. It was the church that got involved. It was church men and women knowing it's not about me anymore. It's about my kids. It's about liberty. It's about freedom. Right? What effect that our clergy have on the world after the war. Now, how many of you guys see it? So let's drop our faith for a minute. If we look at the world right now in real time, how many of you guys see it's dark, nasty, and broken? Right? We're looking at the newspapers going, jeepers, man. Lord, are you going to move sometime soon? You know, Like we need something to happen, right? Our kids, uh, they're being told it's okay to be a chick or a dude when you're not. Uh, the kids are being told that you can disobey mom and dad, that there's no rules anymore. Uh, they're destroying the family nucleus, which actually helped build America and our churches. Uh, they're telling our people that church people and religions are wrong and bad and evil and gross, and they're holding you back, and traditionalism is bad, right? Like uh, waiting till marriage for sex. Like th that's bad now, right? Kids, hear me out. 
It's not hard. You don't want to knock a girl up. Don't do it. Bible says so, right? Don't commit fornication. It's very simple. God loved us enough to say, don't do that. You know why he wrote, don't do that? Because he knew we would do that. Because we're people and we're sheep and we need to be led. Amen? And we make bad decisions sometimes. And thank you, Jesus, for grace and mercy because we need it, right? But did you guys know that right after we fought for independence, right after we won, right after we signed our Constitution, this is what happened in the early 1800s, and I'm going to give you hope. Washington, Franklin, and Whitfield, and many others died, and we forgot who we were. A whole generation was raised to forget our past. Watch this. Spiritual indifference was happening, and less than 10% of the population belonged to a local church. And then the Westford expansion began. 10% of the population, less than 10%, belonged to a church. Do you know that in America right now, 60% of the people belong to a church? I'm not saying they're all walking, right? But hey, we're a little bit more ahead of the curve, right? But watch this. Profanity, lewdness, gambling, drunkenness were on the rise. Right? Whew, something's dinging. Um, negative influences from the French Revolution and pamphlets like The Age of Reason by Thomas Paine were attacking Christianity. Colleges that were formed to train ministers became places of agnosticism and infidelity. Atheistic names like Voltaire, Rousseau, Hume, if you've never studied them, these are philosophers that did not like God. They hated traditionalism, so they taught people, just be free. You know what real freedom is? Doing what you want to do. How many of you guys, that's what landed you in church, doing what I wanted to do. And it ruined me, amen? It ruined me. But they were teaching this to kids. Hey, you know what? Just go do what you want. Be free. It's okay. Because you only live once. That is the most demonic saying I ever heard. It's true. But you know what? For Christians, you live twice. There's an afterlife with this. It's called heaven or hell. Now, this is what I love about God. He don't send you to hell. You send yourself there. He don't, say, he don't cast you into hell. You send yourself by your disobedience. Now, if you don't want to choose him, that's fine. He's not going to force you to do it. Thank you, God. And that's what I love about him. He's not like a robot magnetic thing up there saying, you must serve me or else. He's a father. And he disciplines because he loves. And guys, I need it. I'm more than most. Man, I do some dumb things. And I say some dumb How many of you guys caught up in that say some dumb thing? You ever been in traffic in Florida? I literally have to do like a prayer vigil before I get in traffic because it so bothers me. People don't know how to use signal. Uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> Sorry. Let's continue. Here's what happened, though, you guys. Pastor Kevin. Pa what's your name? Mark. Pastor Mark. Listen to this. Look what happened. A Presbyterian church, the whole congregation, wrote a letter to their congregations, and they said this. They were filled with the awful dread and concern at what was happening, that God is a controversy with this nation. God's frustrated with our country right now. If you go to the next slide, this is what Edmund Burke said. People will not look forward to their posterity who never look backwards to their ancestors. We'll never think about our kids if we don't know our history. If you go to the next slide, they began to fast and pray, these Presbyterian ministers, their whole clergy. They got together and said, we're going to fast and pray for this nation. <clears throat> they, they started to fast and pray for revival. And many, they made covenants with one another to set revival in motion. And the second great awakening was born, and it swept across the nation. But it was recorded that it didn't happen until the pastors and their clergy took a stand for the truth and righteousness and boldly proclaimed God's word. That's when revival happened. It was when we said, it's not about the goosebumps and the fills and the songs. And the, it's when we just stand for righteousness and let God do the rest. 
all of us. It's when we just stand for righteousness and truth. I want to read you something here from Alexis de Tocqueville. He actually was a historian. He was a polyscience major, and he wrote this book in 1831. And he wrote it because he wanted to see what made America so special. And I'm going to read you this excerpt from his book. He said, upon my arrival, and this is actually attributed to him. This is one of the pages. They're still trying to figure out where this page was, so it's attributed to him. So hear this. He said, upon my arrival in the United States, the religious aspect of the country was the first thing that struck my attention. The denominations that exist in the United States are innumerable. Each denomination, sect, adores the deity in its own peculiar manner, but all preach the same moral law in the name of God. He said, in the United States... The sovereign authority is religious. There's no country in the whole world where the Christian religion retains a greater influence than the souls of men than in America. That was 70 years after we signed the Declaration of Independence. He said America was birthed in the Word of God. The Americans combined the notions of Christianity and liberty so intimately that it's impossible to make them conceive the one without the other. American liberty, our liberty comes from God. Freedom comes from God. Right? If you go to the next slide, you already did. He said, I sought for greatness of the United States in her commodious harbors and her ample rivers and her fertile fields and her boundless forests and, it wasn't there, and it forests, and it wasn't there. I sought for her greatness in her rich mines, her vast world commerce, her public school system, and her institutions of higher learning, and it wasn't there. I looked for her greatness in her democratic congress and her matchless constitution, and it wasn't there. Not until I went into the churches of America and I heard the pulpits of flame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. It was this. It was the preachers. It was you guys. It was the Christians that made America and kept it. Sorry, dudes. I love you. But you know what made America great again? You want to make America? It's God. It's the Lord. It's not money. It's not economies. It's not having cheaper gas. And cheaper groceries. What made America great was its preachers. It's God. And until we get back to that, we're just going to keep going for this lustful thing we called greatness. What is that? What, have you ever asked yourselves what made America great? It had even nothing to do with its constitution. That was written by man. Do you understand? Like, the declaration was written by men. Here, let me just tell you one quick story. Just two preachers that changed the world. It's not even in here. The Muhlenberg brothers. One of them fought in the revolution. He took 300 of his men, led him into war, became a two-star general. His brother called him a heretic for doing it. He said, you're a preacher. You shouldn't be going against the crown. Read Romans 13. And his brother goes, I did read Romans 13. It says to stand against the crown. He's like, no, you're a heretic. He's like, no, I'm not. You're a coward. And they're brothers, Lutheran preachers. So this guy who fought in the war, his brother goes away for two weeks. In New York, they burned down his church. The British did. He came back and he wrote three, these powerful words in his journal. He said, I must do something. Did you know that both the Muhlenberg brothers not only fought for American independence, they helped draft the First Amendment of the, 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 the Bill of Rights? Two ministers of the gospel, two preachers. How can one person change the world? Listen to this. Charles Spurgeon said this. In the darkest ages, Christ has always had a church. And if darker times shall come, the church will still be here. That's what gives me hope. It doesn't matter what the world tells me about how bad it is. And I know I hear a lot of preachers. It's so bad right now. Jesus is coming back. You don't know that. Listen, when it's darkest, the light shines the brightest. Amen. The Bible says where sin abounds in Romans, grace does much more abound. 
I have a job to do. When it's dark, i got to shine the light. You see what I'm saying? You know what bothers me about the parable of the talents, Shaleen? When the guy buried his one and the master was angry with him. Did you know why it bothers me? Because we never talk about this. In every civilization in history, inflation exists. Currency goes up in value or devalues, right? Not only did he bury his talent, it lost interest. He made it worse than when he first had it. And how many of us have been given talents and we just haven't used them? I'm not cursing you. You're still a Christian. God loves you. But man, one day, go to the next slide. One day, you and I are going to stand before God and he's going to invite us into the pearly gates. We get to go worship with the angels. I don't know. I have my own picture of heaven, I guess, because there's not really much written about it. But I'd like to go by a bonfire and go talk to Moses for a second. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to think God would grant me that. You know, <laughs> like, I just want to hear the dude talk. Dude, you've got to tell me how God blew his nose in the sea split, man. I, I want to know, like, what happened? I want to talk to Joshua and be like, dude, how did you suffer in jail for that long and not complain? The Bible never recorded him complaining about it. Even when he got, like, seriously screwed over, he never complained. And I'm going to hear the stories of the giants of the faith, like David and Samson all these guys and Peter, Paul, I mean, Paul for crying out loud, right? I just want to hear him talk about his travels and what happened, right? And we all know the story of Jesus, and we don't even know because the Bible says that it, not even all the books in the world could contain the miracles he did, right? And then they're going to get to me. What's going to be my story? What's, what am I going to say? Well, I was a Christian. Uh, I went to church, I guess, yeah. Overcame pornography, I guess. I'm not demeaning that. I, had to, I, went through a, I went through a struggle of that too. But what is it going to be where it's like, Lord, you, I got to tell you guys, Moses, I read your story and I thought, you know what? We're going to declare the impossible. So this happened. Abortion was abolished in America. We stopped killing babies. You know what else happened? The school systems got destroyed and we started homeschooling our kids because we cared. Man, dude, the Lord was moving on our families. We had revivals happening in our homes and our churches. I mean, we saw God move in Yearington, Nevada. We saw it, and God did it. And you know what? Maybe we didn't do half as much as you guys did, but we did something. And I'm going to be able to say that. I don't want to be there and go, well, I had three awesome boys. Killer wife, by the way. No, like what? What did he give me to do? Even the simplest of things. The small, you know, I even think about the guys who helped write the Bible, the scribes, Right? They may not have been public figures, but look at the book of remembrance that's written for them. We have to talk about it. Malachi 3 talks about it. A book of remembrance will be written about each of you because you fear the Lord. And I think about that, and I think, look at guys like Billy Graham. You go, no preachers replaced the influence of Billy Graham. Was he perfect? No. No. But, man, everywhere he went, millions got saved. Man, I envy that, y'all. I do. And I don't know if envy's right as a Christian, but I envy that. That millions were saved because of his ministry. People would come in droves to listen to him preach. And he was unashamed of the gospel, y'all. Especially his 1950s and 60s sermons. You ever hear those? He was, my man was, I mean, you want to talk about fire and brimstone, my man was it. Right? Then look at the guy down below him, D. James Kennedy. Coral Ridge Ministries in Florida. There's a story of his church, that there was protesters outside protesting him as the pro-life preacher. And 
Um, he stood against homosexuality. He was a bigot and stuff. And um, <clears throat> he had a pastor's conference there. And there was like four or five pastors outside going, Pastor uh, D. James Kennedy, there's people outside protesting right now. You know, is, does this bother you? And he said, you don't have protesters outside your church? <laughs> what a cool perspective, huh? Like, what a cool thing to say. Like, you don't have them? I have them because we're preaching against sin and vice. You know, I'm not ashamed. Of course they hate the gospel. They're of the world. But then he says, we need to change them from the power of darkness to light. That's the Holy Spirit's job, right? How are they going to know until they hear a preacher, it says in Romans 9 and 10? How are they going to know until we tell them? And it's simple that God loves them too and he died for them too. It's simple. Even the guy on the right there, Martin Luther King Jr., not a perfect dude. I know there was things written about him that were bad, but I think about his influence. And did you know that during Black History Month, I rarely hear him called reverend? He was one of the most influential pastors in America. Him, Reverend Sharpton, not that I like the guy anymore, but I mean, he was a reverend, right? Jesse Jackson, you, you, there's so many prep preachers at that time that were influencing that so whole civil rights movement. It was pastors that did it, preachers. It wasn't just people wanting to fight for rights and freedoms. It was preachers. And I'm sure when he woke up one day, he didn't want to lead the dumb thing. I want to live, man. I want to go home, eat my food, take my nap after Sunday service. Amen? Right? I want to go watch a little football, hang out with my chitlins, and go to sleep. Get up and go to work the next day. Amen? We all want that. Guys, I'm here to tell you, we can do that. But in these times now, it's actually calling more imperatively than anything for us to be preachers too. I think we need to stand daily. Ask the Lord when you're at work, Lord, how can I influence someone at work today? What can I do? What can I say to them? This is some of the best conversations I've ever had was at work. I don't just preach at work. I let the Lord open the doors, and he's opened so many for me. When I used to be, I was a welder too. You want to talk about the place that has no Christians? Go to a welding shop. <laughs> first time I went in, they were listening to Metallica, and the first thing I said was, yeah, I can just feel the Spirit of God in here. And one of the guys who actually goes to church said, uh, do you want us to turn it down? I'm like, bro, I'm kidding. I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a worldly place, right? So, but I got to preach so many times to these guys, you know, just because I love God and God loves them. He wants them saved too. See how easy it is? You just preach to them. And dude, they love it. They don't know that they're lost and broken. That's why they're lost and broken. Now, let's go to the next set of scriptures. I'm almost done. Uh, not that one. It should be the scriptures. Ah! How many of you guys have heard of Jeremiah 29, 11? Who can quote it to me? I'm not going to tell you to quote it, but who can quote it to me? Right? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Right? We have it on bumper stickers, coffee mugs, right? Some of us have it on a plaque in our house, right? I want to show you something in this set of scriptures I didn't realize until I started reading. We all know it's bad out there. We all know Christ is returning, amen? Because he does know the plans he has for us. But listen, in this time of Jeremiah, he said that to them after 70 years of captivity, okay? 70 years of waiting for an answer, and he says, I know the thoughts and plans I have for you, dude. I got you. Plans to prosper you, give you hope in the future. But I'm going to read from you verse 4 to 11. Okay, watch this. How do we be Christians in a society like today? Because I feel like a lot of us are in bondage to a system we didn't ask for. Okay, watch this. This is what the Lord of armies, I love that, the God of Israel, I love that too, says to the exiles whom I've sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Watch this. Build houses <laughs> and live in them and plant gardens and eat their produce. 
Take wives and father sons and daughters and take wives for your sons. Give them to your daughters, to your husbands, so that they may give birth to sons and daughters and grow in numbers and there do not decrease. What did he just tell them? Oh, you're in bondage? Go be a Christian. Build houses. Plant vineyards. Have babies. Lots of them. Give them to be married too. Have fun doing it. We should be the ones with joy even in the midst of darkness. We should be the ones that have the joy. We should be Christians no matter what. doesn't matter how dark it is out there. Go build your houses. Go plant vineyards. Go be the Christians. Amen? Watch this. Verse 6 or verse 7. Seek the prosperity, listen, of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord in its behalf, for in its prosperity will be your prosperity. Come on, dude. We're believing, Lord. Pray for your cities. When it prospers, you prosper. Hopefully they drop taxes, eh? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Verse 8. Who, why did you change it? I'm not done yet. For this is what the Lord of Amis, the God of Israel, says. Do not let your prophets who are in your midst or your diviners deceive you, and do not listen to their interpretations of your dreams which you dream. Right there, I highlighted in blue because the prophets were saying, it's over, God's coming, don't worry about it, don't, just wait for him, wait for his return. He's like, don't listen to that. Are you guys hearing a lot of those messages today? Yep. Verse 9, For they prophesy falsely to you in my name, and I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Verse 10, For this is what the Lord says, When 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fully, or fulfill my good word to you, and bring you back to this place. Then he says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for prosperity, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. We're not done yet. Guys, I haven't read it in scripture. There's been no, no beam from, no, Scotty didn't send me a message from the Starship Enterprise saying Jesus is coming in 20 days. We're still here. And those babies right there are someone's babies. Amen? We got a job to do, folks. And people are being lied to every day. Every day. And here you have the truth in your hearts. And here, God's implanted so much in you guys. Ma'am, I don't know what you do. You two, you guys are seriously anointed. Like, you just, I'm not going to try to tell you what you do, but I just see you like a teacher. Like, you just, like a, like a real, like you love to give and, and to have a real heart to, to give, gift of helps and things like that. Bro, um, do you, you have kids? Yeah. Bro, you're a really good dad, God says. A really good dad. And I think that's been on your heart, is to be a good dad. But he's going to open up more teaching for them in the word for you. And it won't be by your head knowledge. You're just going to feel like, I, I, I got to talk to my kids about Mark 12. And you're just going to start preaching to your kids. You're going to lead them well, dude. I don't know if you guys have a business or anything, but I just see God fight, uh, prospering you financially. Uh, in, in like just the next six months, you're going to see some really cool breakthrough. Um, I just want to bless you. Is that okay? And your kids? Wow, I hope this makes sense. Does this make sense to you guys? Oh, cool. Lord, I, because sometimes I'm like, I'm aimless, Lord. They're not saying nothing. They're stoic. They're like rocks right now. I don't know what to do. Usually when I'm saying that kind of stuff, babe, do you want to come up? Usually when I'm saying this stuff, like I get a reaction. And, oh, I see you crying now. I see your tears. Cool. So, Father, I just bless them in Jesus' name. I just thank you, Lord, that um, you want to do so much more with this family. And you guys have been asking for that. Yeah, you've been asking for that. And he's going to answer your prayers. So, Lord, I ward off the spiritual warfare against them. I thank you for healing oil in their house. God wants to heal you too, like physical, some physical healing going on in your kids, you. 
um, there was some old things cast on you. We're, we're renouncing those in Jesus' name. Some old uh, sicknesses that are lineage sicknesses. No. I see like the C word. Lord, we cast that stuff down. Right now. You're blessed of God. You're a whole new creation, you guys. You're setting a course for your kids that is so beautiful. So beautiful what God wants to do. Now the warfare is coming. You guys know that. You're not stupid. But he's with you through the war and he's already won the victory. So trust him. Amen? Amen. Cool. You want to come up? <clears throat> I, I really am done. But we'll get into that more in a minute. Here. You want this? Oh, it didn't work. Can we minister right now, Pastor? Is that cool? I wanted to do it for like the. Someone should have told me to shut up because that's what I really wanted. I tried. To do. I tried. <laughs> I did. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, go. Sorry. Um, okay. I'll just. I want to start with Shaleen. I felt like when we were. I was watching you know, on, on your live one day. I felt like the Lord's saying you're very eclectic. In like, and you can see it in your house. You're just your design is like very eclectic, just different stuff. And I feel like that speaks to your who you are, who God made you to be. Like you're very eclectic in your spirit. And what I mean by that is, like Massey's message is history. That's his lane. Stays his lane. My my heart is prayer, intercession. That's my lane. I stay that lane. But you, like you can just pull from here and here and here and yep. here and it ministers to you and that's how you give out. And I feel like I just want to bless you with that and say that that's how God's created you. Yep. And a lot of times people will try to diminish that because it's so all over the place. But the way that God's created your mind is that's your gifting. It yep. is all over the place and you can grab from here, 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 here. And it like it's, it goes deep in your heart, and all those little things, that's how you minister out of. And I just yeah. want to bless, because that's powerful. Because sometimes those one-lane things, they're powerful, but all, when you can grab from so many different places, you just have an eclectic way to minister. Yep. And so it's very powerful. Yep. Amen. Yeah, you're like a Samuel Adams. God was crazy. But he opened doors for so many things, and that's what you do. Amen. I, you're Erica. No, the one behind you. Sorry, I'll get to you in a minute. But um, <clears throat> I just really feel like the Lord's called you to be like an inventor, a creative, something you're, you're greater than where you are and where your mind's been. Um, you were born with ideas, and the world needs to see those ideas. And you've been a champion for so many other people, but God wants to champion you and your ideas. God wants to resurrect dreams for you, right? I really see a lot of heartbreak. Wow, dude. You've been through it. Been through it. I, your mom hasn't told me anything about you before God. <clears throat> you look like her, but um, he's, he's about to resurrect some cool things in your heart, but he wants you to seek him and ask him to open the dream. What is that dream you've always had? Because God wants to prosper you. Listen, there's a difference between needing someone as a crutch and needing someone as a helper. God wants to bless you with a real husband. Amen. He really does. He wants to bless you with a man of God who's got integrity, who loves you for you who wants to see you blessed and fulfilled like it says in Proverbs 31. You're not done yet, kiddo. This whole thing, I, I don't really feel like you're starting over either. It's just a path that God's leading you on. And you've done good at like, okay, okay, God, okay. But he's going to call you into it. It's like he's leading you right to him. And you can't get away from it. You, you, you can't. And you're not going to be able to. He like owns you, girl, in a good way, not like in a weird slave way. I don't mind being owned by God because I needed him to own me, you know, because I was crazy. But like... For you, it's so different. He actually admonishes you and cares for you. There's like a real, 
are you seeing this? Or are you seeing anything for her? Mm. Nothing? Jeepers, okay. Wow. I'm not saying it like that. <laughs> uh, but, dude, I just, <clears throat> you will prosper. You're going to take all the information and be two times that. You're going to be a great mom. What she's been doing for you guys, you're going to be two times that person. Mm. You're going to build for other people. That's what you're called to do. You're, you're, you're actually almost apostolic. Called to build and grow and do. You know what I mean? You won't be a manager for long. You'll own. Amen? You're awesome. Amen. This is hard. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to, um, this was the main thing I wanted to say. So when we were, uh, we left Friday morning. Yeah, Friday morning. On Wednesday, we do Wednesday night services at our church. And during worship, I just began to feel this like burden in prayer for uh, Urington and for the community. And I felt like, I just needed to say this to you, Pastor Kevin and Tanya, like I felt like the Holy Spirit showed me like, there's a shift coming, and I hate using that word because it seems so churchy, but a shift, like I see underneath the foundation of the community, I see the Lord just shifting it. And it's like there's so much land here, and it looks, you just look at it and it all seems peaceful, right? But I see under there, there's a shaking coming. And I felt like the Lord say for that, specifically for you two, I feel like he is saying you're high capacity for him. Like vessels of honor meet for the master's use. You're high capacity. You can pastor, you can run a business, you can be in politics. I'm not saying you're called to all that, but you're high capacity for him. And I feel like in this shifting, he's establishing you both as leaders in this community. And I feel like you're already established, but he's taking it to another mantle, another level. And I feel like I'm not saying you're called to politics, but I feel like you're a voice of reason in this shifting that's coming to the community. And so I just want to bless you with that because you are pillars in this community. Really there is no doubt about it. When you told us that uh, the burden and prayer before 2020 and we're sitting at your t dinner table and I'm like locked in about like ready to start bawling like I felt the weight of that the weight of those prayers and I feel like that's part of that being the pillar in this community and he's just shining a spotlight on it right now in this shifting of what's coming so amen yeah I got some for you too but just give me a minute okay you're, you're, just give me a minute you kid in the hat that one. Yeah, you. <clears throat> this is going to sound weird to you, but when it happens, I'll probably be dead. I mean, unless God wants to you know, let me to live 100. How old are you? 20. Yeah, I'll be dead. <laughs> so I was, I was seeing you at about 75, 80 on a rocking chair, and I saw young people come to you and eat from your tree. What that means is you're a very wise kid. You're very knowledgeable and understanding. When I saw you walk in, I'm like, he's quiet of spirit, but wise in what he knows. And what you've seen and what you've experienced and done, that's a catalog God put in your heart. And what you're going to do is set people free with that. When people come to you, it's going to be like, oh, i got to go to him again. He's just going to tell me the truth. And that's good because you'll be the one respected and honored. And God wants to lift your voice up, dude. I don't think you're meant to sit the sidelines, kiddo. I think you're meant to preach you. I really feel like God's called you to say things that are important. Now you're 20. You, you got to go through life and get married one day, God willing, right? Have a bunch of babies because God's good, right? That's what we all want as a dad, right? We want little fat heads of our own, right? But I just see God blessing you and I see the wisdom in you and God put that in you for a reason. And it's like a forefather thing. It's like you've just been called in your lineage to be that kind of kid, okay? And God's going to bless you. He's going to bless what you put your hand to. I don't know where you work at right now, but again, I just see you more than, more than just a worker. I see you 
kind of like her, just a leader. One of those kind of guys. One, a guy who's going to give others an opportunity. I think you really feel for people who hurt and who are broken and lost. Uh, people that go to jail, you're going to give them opportunities and raise them up as men. I just really see that in you, bro, right? What's your name? Noel? Huh. <laughs> Lord, I bless Noel in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I bless him. I really do. Wow, you're a good dude. God wants you to know that, dude. He loves you, and you're a good kid. You're really good in here. He put that in you, right? You don't mess with the frilly frow stuff. Amen? Good. Wow. You got anything else? No, anything else? Oh, yeah. Um, I was the, late, the girl right here with the braids, red hair. Um, so there's a story of a missionary to China. Her name was Gladys Allward. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. But um, we've watched her. She's, they have a torchlighter series of her, a book we're reading in our homeschool to our boys. And um, she wanted to be a missionary from China. She was from London. And the London Missionary Society told her she wasn't fit to be a missionary. So she went on her own. She raised her money. She went on her own. She uh, worked as a maid to try to get a passage over to China. And um, she got there. And it was nothing like she thought it would be. And God used her, actually, in a, a long version of it. was during World War II. The Japanese came and bombed um, China. And she led 100 children up into a mountain village in China and saved these children. But she was unfit to be a missionary, right? That's what they were told her. And when I looked at you, I felt like you have a deep desire to serve God and do the things of God. And I'm not saying you're called to be a missionary, but I feel like that vision that God's gonna birth in you is gonna look different to people. And it's gonna look in ways that don't make sense to yeah, people. Impossible. impossible. And so I just wanna bless you with that story because there's gonna be people that say, that doesn't make sense. You're not fit to do that. The enemy is going to th you're draw in your mind. You're not fit to do that. God is making you fit to do that. And you're sowing right now into your calling. And I feel like he's going to birth a vision in you that totally doesn't make sense. And you stay the course. You stay the course. And you stay the course. And he will fulfill it through you. When it looks crazy, that's the calling. That's the calling when it looks crazy. And your deep desire he is blessed in that deep desire. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? He's blessed in that deep desire, amen. and he's going to bless you back for that. Cool. So, amen. Amen. So, you, your heart is bigger than your body. Like, I see you giving and giving and giving and giving, um, and it's been, you're a real convert to Christ. Like, he really saved you. And you take it serious, and others around you didn't let you take it serious, and you've been totally misunderstood, but the Lord's elevating your heart and your mind right now. And I just see, look, what I saw was <clears throat> like uh, bread baskets. You were just giving out to so many people. And, and that's the anointing God put in you, right? You're the kind of person that'll take five loaves and two fish and it'll multiply. That's an anointing, right? That's something you just call on the Lord for. It's impossible, Lord, but let's go do it. And <clears throat> there are some of us who are called to serve that way, but you're kind of both. I think you're called to lead away, like a charge for that. I think you see those things and the opportunities, and we're like, why don't we do this more? Follow that. Follow that. Because that's how the Lord wants to use you. I found, I, if I'm not doing this, ask my wife. I'm the most miserable person in the world. I'm miserable. Like, I'm hard to be around sometimes. I'm irritated because it's just the mundane, everyday stuff. 
when I'm up here, it's like I just feel alive, like the Lord put it in me to preach, right? And uh, I just see the Lord expanding your heart, but he's going to give you the, the words munitions, the, 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 the liberty, the freedom, and the finances to do it. He's going to bless He's going to bless your coming and going. He already is. Um, I just see new opportunities for you, bro. Dude, I, this is weird. You ever heard of a ruck pack? I just saw you wearing that and 30 dudes following you. Like, <clears throat> you're a leader of men, dude. And, and I don't know what your home life was like, but I heard the Lord say, I'm a father that he never had. I'm just a father that he never had. Um, dude, you're real, the real deal. And men need you. Amen. Amen? The men need you. They need your heart. Even when it's nasty and messy, they need it because they need to know that you're going through it and how Christ can get them out of it. Mm-hmm. Okay? When I preach a lot of the time, sometimes I preach of what I went through and what I failed at and what God brought me through. I'm finding that's the best sermons to preach. It's not just the Bible. It's how it relates to me and you and how we can overcome by the blood of the Lamb, right? And I see the Lord taking that. I don't know if it's a ministry or anything like that, but I just see you do. Men follow you, dude. They follow you. They follow your example. It's like you, when you speak, they listen. You're just very wise, bro. But the, the, the fatherhood side of God is going to be open to you in so many ways. The Holy Spirit's opening that door for you, okay? Or do you come to church here? To Silver Spring. Silver Spring. Wow. Okay. Enough said. Are you done? I want to I'm, jump I'm, on that. I'm, when right. you walked past back there to go to the bathroom, I felt like the Holy Spirit say, he's very black and white. Yeah. And that's a blessing. Like, you just see things in black and white. Like, moral, not moral, done, no questions asked. And I feel like that's a blessing. And this culture, men, Ooh, young yeah. men, they need that. Wow. And um, I can't remember the guy's name. His song just went viral, Richmond, north of Richmond. Yeah. And I'm not just saying this because you kind of look like him, but that's the anointing that rests on you. Like, you're going to say it. It's going to be black and white. It the might be harsh, but the anointing's going to minister yep. to people. Praise so, God. Amen. Praise God. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm having fun. She's having fun. Praise God. Um, this, is, this is the last quote. I didn't mean to minister like this, but this is fun. Um, but I just want you to hear this from our hearts because this is why we do what we do. You know, it's, it's history, but it's the Spirit of God, too. And the Lord uses the church to change nations. He does, and he'll continue to do so. R- listen to what John Adams said. He said, posterity, future generations. You will never know how much it costs the present generation to preserve your freedom. He said, I hope you'll make good use of it. If you do not, I shall repent in heaven that I ever took half the pains to preserve it. That... That's like Paul when he said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I have a Christ in me. And there's something beautiful about when you fight. Dude, you in the hat. Bro, the reverence and honor and respect you command, bro. I wanted to give you a hug when you walked in, but I was like, nah, I think he's a different cat than that. Dude, you're just, you're, you're the real deal, dude. The real deal. Um, you fought it for years, and God took you and saved you, you know? And, and he brought you here to not just be a part of a church, but to change it for the Lord in the Bible, right, scripturally. I told you last night, homeboy, that it's good to question. It's good to question the things of God to seek God, not to question rebellion. Do you know what I mean? Do you know the difference, right? It's good to question things because God wants to reveal those answers to you. That's you. I don't think you're just a parishioner, dude. I really do think you're called to do this too. Maybe not in a pulpit, but just teach men, disciple men. Right? You too, ma'am. You're just blessed. This is a blessed couple. Really, really good couple. And so what we want to leave you with is, look, we, we do this because God's on the move. He wants to change things in, in our society. 
and I'd rather do these. I've done huge events, 5,000 people, and I love this. This is more me, salt of the earth kind of thing. I grew up in Sleepy Eye, Minnesota, a little house on the prairie. I grew up there. Me, right? First off, fish out of water. They didn't have Mexicans back then. You know what I mean? Fish out of water, dude, but salt of the earth, man. Did you guys know? You didn't know because you didn't know me. I was 18. I had an 83 Chevy with a 454 and a six-inch lift. Amen. I miss that truck. You know what I mean? And I still want that, right? I still desire that. I can't wait. But, like, this is our people. This is our people. And we love you so much. And if you guys haven't seen, some of you are wearing our T-shirts right now, sweatshirts. We have a table back there with some new merch, uh, which is really cool. One is uh, the shirt. It has uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of holiness. Because happiness today means so much more different than it used to. So we put on their holiness. Uh, we also have just different merch back there. We have our new constitution courses. My buddy Mike, if you listen to our podcast, wrote a new book. Uh, it's called Maximizing Masculinity. Um, and so he's starting a whole new ministry for men uh, to help raise men. And he's a good man. I, I love him so much. We got a book back there. Um, and again, you already talked about support. I don't need to talk about it. But we love you guys. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, here, and we're just going to pray it out if you don't mind, and if you guys want to come, I don't know how you end, I'm sorry, I don't know how you end the service, but so, so Father, I just <clears throat> bless this church, and bless the one that came in the name of Jesus, and I thank you, God, I am so honored to be in the presence of giants, Lord, giants of the faith, I consider them. I'm honored that he let me preach, teach, and you bless them, Lord. I'm honored for the people here, I'm just so blessed to know them, and to speak into them, Lord. And your heart's their heart, Father. I mean, they, they, they want your heart too. And I want these people to know, Father, that you care about them so much that you would even hear their prayers and their hardships, that you'll answer them as well. We love you, Lord. We really do. Holy Spirit, thank you for raining down on us. And I thank you for tonight's service to be just as awesome, if not more powerful. I thank you for healings and miracles, signs and wonders in the name of Jesus that they manifest tonight and even now. Right now, if there's a healing that needs to happen, Father, I pray, your heal Holy Spirit, you touch them. I don't want to lay hands. I just want you to touch them. I, I, back issues, gone, in the name of Jesus. I just thank you for the blood, the Redeemer, that came to heal and seek and save that which is lost. Heart issues, I just thank you, God, you mend those hearts in the name of Jesus. I thank you, God, for uh, rheumatoid arthritis to leave this room. In the, we rebuke it and cast it out of here in the name of Jesus. Um, depression's got to go. Thank you, God, for getting rid of that and for putting joy in the place of mourning and heaviness, the spirit of joy in the place of mourning and heaviness. We bless you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the message. Before you leave, we want to remind you that if you want to continue receiving updates on new sermons, that you subscribe to our podcast. If you want more information on how to contact us, make sure to check out our website at urringtonvillianfellowship.com. And we'll see you next time on the YBF Podcast.